people can make this mistake of like, oh my gosh, I've got to get out. And that may be very warranted and very legitimate. However, before you pull that trigger, have you evaluated what is it exactly that is the problem? Look, I get it. So many people are reassessing their work life and many are dreading their return to the office in the coming months. And maybe you want to quit. But before you make that move, are you ready? Do you know what you want and how to get there? And do you have the tools in place? Hi, this is Diana Burnell O'Leary with Job Talk Weekly. Today, I talk with Melanie Wexler, a career and life coach on the East Coast, who helps people think through what they want next and create a roadmap for success. Don't forget, if you want to talk about career advice or let us know what topics you want to hear, send us a message, visit our website. We're at jobtalkweekly.com. Okay, let's jump in. Hi, Melanie. Welcome to Job Talk Weekly. We keep hearing so much about the big quit, the big resignation, and with your work as a career coach, I wanted to talk with you about what people should do before they quit. But before we dive into those steps, tell us the themes of what you've been hearing from clients recently, people who are quitting their jobs or are very interested in quitting their jobs. What are they thinking? What's going on there? Well, I think it all stems from, it originally stems from the pandemic. I think what yeah. the pandemic caused was put a pause on a lot of things, but it really made people evaluate where they were at on a professional level mm-hmm. uh, because there was so much sacrifice that had to be, um, you know, accounted for. Uh, all of a sudden we're working from home. Um, a lot of people were not used to that. So there's a whole new slew of boundaries you have to establish for yourself. Otherwise you could be working what feels like 24 seven some days. Yeah. Um, on top of that, you, I think people really started to think like, wow, I think the biggest thing that I saw was people really realized that their careers were not necessarily, there is no such thing as permanency. Um, you know, and I used to get into that because I was a former recruiter, of course. And, um, you know, and that would be something I, I want a permanent job, you know, and I'm always like, there is not really a permanent job. Things can turn on a dime. And if anything, we saw that happen in a pandemic. You can't control what's, you know, maybe happening at the top of your organization. Um, you know, we just saw a whole, you know, when it came to the hospitality industry, we saw a whole industry decimated overnight. Yeah. Um, and it really even if you weren't in that industry, it made people kind of wake up and say, oh, wait a minute. Could this happen to me? Could I be this person? Yeah. And even if it didn't happen to them, it certainly happened to their neighbors or the people down the street or people you know of. You know, So I think yes. it did make everyone think through. And you mentioned yourself that you used to be a recruiter. So tell us about your career switch, though, real quick, because you also sort of went through your own process. <laughs> yeah, I did. I went through my own career journey. I was a recruiter for 18 plus years. Yeah. Um, you know, really, at some point in time, I knew like, oh, I'm not going to be a recruiter for ever. Like mm-hmm. I knew that, but I didn't ever, I never had like that answer of like, well, what's next? And I, for me, I thought, um, I left my last company. It, it became a toxic 
organization. Um, it was just a really, it was an interesting situation. Like my office, my branch, uh, we had, we were good. It was the organization around us that was kind of falling apart mm-hmm. and we had kind of barricaded ourselves and then yeah. it started to seep in. And I was like, okay, time, you know, I should have left. I mean, I always joke and tell my clients do everything I did not do. Um, and I learned and a lot of what I learned from a personal standpoint, I bring to my coaching practices because I should have left a long time ago. I should have, you know, should have put really made that effort, but I was comfortable, um, had some, you know, was given a lot of, um, you know, some grace and leeway in terms of my schedule as a single mom, because I had put in, it was eight years with that company. Um, and 2017, I left at the end of 2016, went on my own career journey. Um, you know, here I am the one of the most consistent, uh, employees, you know, I literally work three years, five years, eight years with, you know, consistently with the same company. Um, in 2017, um, I literally went through three jobs in one year because I didn't properly vet them. (laughs) And so I just made some really stupid career choices. And even though I knew all of these things from the back end, I really wasn't listening I, I didn't put my recruiter hat on. I was, I was just as a, you know, just another person. Um, yeah. That's what I, you know, that's how I approached it. Um, so yeah, I went through this journey. I started a coaching certification. Didn't know if I was going to do it. I was like, okay, why not? And honestly, I started, um, you know, I started coaching more as a way to earn some extra income, just mm-hmm. doing it part-time. And it slowly started to grow. And by 2018, I was doing it full-time and have been doing it ever since. And I really try to bring my recruiting expertise and knowledge of the industry into my coaching um, and being able to help others understand what happens behind the scenes. But how how can you really um, you know, navigate this job search. I've worked through two recessions, uh, throughout my career. I've worked in the best of the economy. So, um, you know, and, and now I can add a pandemic to it. (laughs) Yeah. And I, you know, I I appreciate so much that you are willing to share with them your failures in 2017, that you went through all these different jobs, because I think your own learning is part of what can make you an effective coach. But part of that process was, were you really ready? Did you know what you wanted? And I think that so much of this process is really knowing what you're going to, because sometimes people just say, well, I'm leaving this company, and they just take the first job they find without having a very thoughtful process. And I think it's that decision making, kind of figuring out what you want, that is so key. So how do you work with your clients now about going through that process of really trying to figure out what would be fulfilling for them? One of the things I offer is I I work with people to create what I call a career vision action plan. And it's really about figuring out, first off, what are the strengths? What are the things that I love to do? Mm-hmm. What are the things that I don't like to do? Yeah. Um, and then diving deeper into, okay, what are my non-negotiables? What are the things that I must have in my next opportunity? Because I think the situation, and especially when it comes to the great resignation in particular, is people can make this mistake of like, oh my gosh, I've got to get out. And that may be very warranted and very legitimate. However, before you pull that trigger, have you evaluated what is it exactly that is the problem? Yeah. Because I think until you know what that is, 
you're not going to be able to recognize it in another interview or another situation. And you see this all the time where people end up making, oh, I went to this company and it wasn't, you know, the grass wasn't greener. Um, this wasn't, you know, this wasn't a great move because they didn't do the deep dive and yeah. they didn't really focus in on themselves about what they needed as an individual. Give us a couple of those examples, though. What are some of the things that people should be thinking through? Like, is it the boss? Is it the commute or or just about their actual day to day work? Yeah, I think you have to first you have to go into, OK, really examine your day to day work. What you know, it, it's something very simple is literally the pros and the cons. OK, what is it about my job that I really love? Yeah. You know, are you the one that really wants to be the implementer, the one that gets their hands dirty? Or are you kind of going above that at this point in your career? Are you the one that just wants to set the strategy and have a good team below you that's going to be the, you know, people that are going to put it into action? Um, you know, the other thing, you know, it could be it could be salary. Let's talk about salary. What's important? You know, not just that bottom line number, but are we talking about compensate, you know, full on compensation with benefits? Um, what are the overall benefits that you're receiving? Are yeah. you thinking about retire? You know, is retirement something that should be on, you know, that list of concerns? Is that what you should be focused on? Um, so really getting, you know, what's important for your family, you know, like as my daughter got older, her schedule got much busier and as a single mom, you know, that was something that was for me was gonna, it it wasn't non-negotiable that, you know, I needed to be, I, I took it very much like I needed to be there for her field hockey games, you know, Mm -hmm. I needed to be her cheerleader. And I once, you know, and this was a friend of, um, a former friend, I will say of mine that once said, you don't need to go to every single one of her games. You need to be here. Cause I was helping those was back in 2017. I was helping uh, him with, uh, with his nonprofit at the time. He's like, you don't need to be at every single one of her games. And I was like, yes, I do. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. that's yes, a personal choice. Maybe that's not the way he <laughs> ran his life, but that was your choice. And good for you that you you knew that. I think it's really important to know your non-negotiables. And one of those obviously is really pay. But what are the things that are so important to you? Because when we're in the interview process, it's so easy to get caught up and swept up because they are courting you and they want you. And it's easy to be impressed by the lunches and the meetings and, and you start negotiating with yourself. So I think what you just said is so key that for money or location or whatever the big thing is, to really know what your bottom line is before you go into this process and then stick to it. Yeah. And I think you have to be very, you know, I talk to a lot of people that are afraid to ask tough questions as the candidate in the interview. And that's one of the things that I work with with my clients is like, in order to not make the same mistakes, you have to be the one asking the tough questions. Yeah. You know, if you if you're coming from a toxic, um, you know, a toxic situation or a toxic boss, there are questions that you can ask that are going to give you some indications as to how that person manages. Um, you know, if they're able to give you examples um, for, you know, for one example, you know, how they, you know, 
how they support their team, you know, and, you know, setting goals or, you know, from a leadership capacity, they should be able to give you very specific examples off the, off the top of their head. Remember it is, you know, I tell people all the time, this is a two-way street and we don't talk about it being a two-way street. You can go on LinkedIn and, you know, every other place under the sun, I get it. You know, all we talk, you know, there's so much out there about careers, but it is a two-way street. You are interviewing them as much as they are interviewing you. And it is okay for you to take control of that interview and really make sure your questions are answered. Um, because if they're not willing to answer those questions, then that's a, a good indication that that's probably not going to be the organization for you. Yeah, and I, I totally agree with that because I will also remind people the way they treat you during the interview process is probably the best they're ever going to treat you. So yes. it is a good gauge. Like if the process goes on for three to six months, then you have an understanding that this is a place that values that type of process, that for them that's important. Or if this is the type of place, I had this one too, they emailed me one day and said, you know, can you come in tomorrow and interview like for three hours with all these people? And it's like, you know, give the person some, a courtesy of some, I have a job, you know, so right. you learn a lot in the interview process. Process. But I think all these are really good questions. And that's why I do, uh, you know, I'll do a shout out for the career coaches, because sometimes you need an outside perspective to help you walk through this. But if you can't hire a career coach right now, even doing the basic pros and cons list and talking to your friends and family, I, I think that's also just a really good start. So you mentioned LinkedIn. And I want to talk about all the prep work that people need to have to be ready, because I have found it, too, that people start talking to others once they've made that decision. And they say, OK, I'm going to start looking for a job. And I start talking to someone. And then they do meet someone who says, well, actually, you know, we're hiring or, you know, my spouse is hiring. Send us your resume. And they're not ready. So <laughs> help, help, help our candidates get ready real fast. So foundation, your yeah. foundation is your LinkedIn profile and your resume. 100% yeah. that's your foundation. Without your foundation, um, your your house is, or your structure is going to fall apart. Um, yeah. And I always tell people that. That's your foundation. Your LinkedIn profile is just as important as your resume. Um, LinkedIn, I'm a big LinkedIn um, advocate. I, I am a LinkedIn strategist when it comes to the job searching standpoint. Um, and so it's a live living resume. Um that can constantly be changing, um, you know, with updates and things like that from your profile standpoint. So with, uh, those are the two things that I always say, you know, those are the first two boxes that we need to check. Um, okay. Where are we at with this? What needs to be updated, get that in place. And then the, you know, then you start to make a plan, make, make a, you know, what are your goals? Where do you want to be? What kind of role really evaluate that, and then uh, be able to go um, go from there and jump into the job search process. Yeah, and let's not get too caught up on the most perfect resume ever. I think it's important to have a really solid one, even though we know that so much of uh, job hunting is about networking and, and maximizing your connections, but your resume will always be your calling card. But I've seen people sometimes just keep obsessing over it. And at some point, I'm like, you know what? I think we're good for now. And it's okay <laughs> to have two different versions or maybe three months into it or three weeks into it, you decide, oh, I want to make some changes. That's okay. 
okay, but you do have to give yourself a little bit of a push at some point to say, okay, this is the resume and the LinkedIn profile I'm going to use right now because you can always change it. I mean, that is the beauty of all these things being digital. And the other thing that I like to remind people before they get started is to have a financial cushion best they can. And I know for some folks that's harder than others, but really making sure that you have some savings in the bank will help you so that way you don't make a decision just based on money. You know, you, you let's say you're three months into it and you're worried about money. Maybe you are already unemployed or you're just worried about the offers that you're getting. Sometimes people take an offer that they really shouldn't and then two years later, they're miserable again or a year later, they're, mus- they're miserable again. So I think the more you have a financial cushion will let you be in the work hunt longer, the, the job hunt, as long as you need to be, and it'll help you with confidence take the the salary offer that you're meant to take. Yeah, I think, you know, you have to be very mindful if you especially, you know, and I understand, I mean, I've been through some financial hardships my in, you know, my personal life and, um, and I get it. It's one of the hardest things, especially nowadays. Um, yeah. But if you are in a job, I do think that you have to you know, be mindful of the money. I get being in a bad situation, being with, you know, a a toxic environment, um, you know, with bad bosses or, you know, bad colleagues that, you know, kind of drain you at the end of the day. And, and, and there comes a time where you may have to make a decision for your own mental health Mm -hmm. to go ahead and leave. And maybe you don't have that cushion, but work towards that. Always be working towards that. Again, anything we learned from the pandemic is about having kind of these a little bit of a safety net from that standpoint. And it will give you a little bit of, you know, it is that cushion that can give you that a little bit of relaxate, you know, you can, it can help you get through that process. Yeah, yeah. And let's talk about networking, because I think that's key for you. Um, What do you talk to your clients about for networking? I always say activate your network. People always say, well, you know, um, I just had a, you know, I'm going to use an example from a client call yesterday where, you know, she was like, you know, I'm really kind of disappointed in my former colleagues. They haven't reached out and said, you know, hey, I know of this job or I know of this job. And, and I said, okay, so because she was like, that's what I would do. And I said, so go and reach out to them and tell them, hey, I'm on the market now. This is what I'm looking for. Who do you know? And, you know, yeah, it would be nice if people did that and thought of you and what you would do, you know, if you would do the same. Um, But at the end of the day, too, people also may think like, oh, you have a ton of things lined up or, yo, you don't need to worry about, you know, finding another job. You're fabulous. And, you know, so they may have other thoughts processes about that. So they need to know, do I need to be helping you? Yeah. And if someone is feeling awkward that they weren't contacted, maybe by coworkers, if they were laid off, let's say that. I think in my experience, I've seen those coworkers who remain, they feel bad. They don't know what to say. They feel awkward. So they're not reaching out to protect you or to protect themselves, really, from some yeah. awkward conversation. But that's where an email can come in. And you you don't have to go into whatever the separation was and just say, you know, I'm my last day was, uh, you know, December 31st. Here's what I'm looking for if you have any ideas for me. I think sometimes we make up these stories in our head about what the other person is thinking. And, you know, they can ignore it if they don't want to engage 
engage with you, that's fine. But at least you have opened the door to that conversation. And I also tell people to go back to the other job they had before, because those people don't know what you're up to. And the company that you worked for before the last company you were at, you know, that's a that's a prime opportunity for you to reconnect with your boss, your old boss, ask for a reference. Maybe those people are in the same industry. So you've got to make it easy for them and just tell them what you're looking for. This is an uncontrollable process if you really think about it. Like we can't control if somebody reads your resume. We can't control if somebody reads your cover letter. Can't control if somebody schedules an interview. Once you hit submit, you relinquish that control. So you have to look at everything that you are in control of. So you are in control of how much time you spend, you know, looking for a job. You are in control of like, okay, did I reach out to my network? Did I talk to my network? Don't rely on others because we, again, can't control that, but we can control reaching out to people. You really have to understand, you know, identify the things that you do have control over in this process, but make sure you're doing them. Because if you're not doing them, then you're not doing yourself a service. Amen. Thank you, Melanie. That is so. <laughs> that is such good advice, actually, for anything, you know, to make sure that you're doing it. But I think your words of wisdom of getting ready and really being thoughtful and taking control of the process um, are terrific because, you know, we do have to also detach a little bit from the process because you can't control what the recruiter is seeing that day. You can't control what mood the interviewing manager was in when you showed up for your interview. But if you focus on what you can control, then then you can manage your outcomes and you can manage your mindset too. For me, that was the critical thing. Um, it did not matter if I had, you know, the perfect resume or, you know, or, or who I knew. If I did not believe in myself, um, nothing else was going to matter in that, you know, in that regard. So. Well, thank you, Melanie. This has been so helpful. Thank you for spending some time with us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you. I greatly appreciate it. Take care. Thanks. Okay, now it's your turn. We want to hear from you. Let us know what career questions you need help with. Send us an email to info at jobtalkweekly.com or leave us a review and mention the topics you'd like to hear. To learn more about our services or read articles with more career advice, visit our website, jobtalkweekly.com. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time.